0: Just a note before the show, this episode of The Spill features discussions of suicide. Listener's discretion is advised. If this raises any issues for you, please reach out to Lifeline on 13 11 14. From Mamma Mia, welcome to the Spill Your Snackable daily podcast where we talk about everything entertainment every day. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick and I'm Mamma Mia's entertainment editor. And I'm Reese, and I work at Mamma Mia's influence agency called Social Squad. On the show today, Kristen Bell has spoken about her biggest career slump. So how did she break the rules and score her job on Gossip Girl? Hey Upper East Siders, Gossip Girl here and I have the biggest news ever. And Kate Middleton gave her first ever podcast interview. So what candid moments did she reveal about being a first-time mum? But to kick off the show today, some sad news from The weekend. Caroline Flack, the former host of UK reality series Love Island, died by suicide on Saturday in the UK. Her family confirmed the death. In a statement. So Caroline had hosted Love Island since 2015, and before that, she was a fixture across British television screens. She appeared on shows um, like The Extra Factor. She was also a guest on Loose Women and Celebrity Juice. And she actually won Strictly Come Dancing, which is um, the UK's dancing with the stars, back in 2014. So
1: really sad news. Yes, definitely. And there's also been a lot of conversations and headlines around this news, um, just about a lot of factors surrounding both how the story was reported. So the way the tabloid media in um, Britain especially were um, reporting on her career and her relationship and her court date leading into this and also calls for um, Love Island to be taken off air because it's also been talked about the fact that there's been two other suicides um, linked with the show with past contestants. So the first death is um, Sophie Graydon who died by suicide in 2018 then in 2019 Mike the Thalattis who appeared on the show in 2017, also died by suicide. So, There's, I mean, we're not going to sort of link all those things together because that's a much bigger topic um, for discussion, but obviously there's been a lot of talk about the role of reality TV, the role of media reporting, and just the the prevalence of taking into account mental health um, in the entertainment industry.
0: Yeah, definitely. ITV, the free-to-air television channel that airs Love Island in the UK, they released a statement about um, the show's Sunday episode, UK Time, saying that it wouldn't air and that the show will return um, on Monday. So today, with a tribute to Caroline line. Also another channel, Channel 4, um, said an upcoming show that she hosted called The Surgery. It has been cut completely. So I think everyone's just trying to... Yeah, honor her family and respect their wishes. It's pretty sad. Sad for them. Sad all around, really.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of changes implemented. I mean, every time there's any kind of conversation like this, um, people look to what changes can be going forward in terms of the rules around media reporting, tabloid culture, and just the the health and and I guess safety measures put in place for anyone who's associated with reality TV. So um, I guess we'll hopefully see some more conversations around that going forward.
0: So Caroline recently stepped down from Love Island UK following an assault charge and was um, due to go to trial in a few weeks. Um, And since then, she'd been repeatedly targeted by tabloid press following the arrest Um, and it had, yeah, a a lot of bad reporting kind of all around from the UK media. So Laura Whitemore, who is also a host in the UK and actually took over from Caroline Flack for the latest season of Love Island, they were really great friends. So I think Caroline had suggested her to take her place when she had to step down and she did a tribute today on BBC Radio 5 her show and she mentioned that obviously there's been a lot of talk about whether or not the show should move forward and she said the show isn't a problem, the show is safe and protected but the outside world is not. So I think that's pretty pretty interesting hearing that come from her.
1: Oh, definitely, and especially taking into account that we've seen a lot of reports of different media outlets who had written very um, in the UK specifically who had written really defamatory things about her um, leading up to the event um, have now taken all those stories down. So I guess yeah, it's a really co- a real conversation about the effects of tabloid culture. <laughs> Actress Kristen
0: Bell, known for her iconic roles, which Laura's obsessed with, like Veronica Mars, and like I'm obsessed with, Anna from Frozen, she appeared on an episode of one of my favourite podcasts, Second Life, this week. She chatted about her career starting out in Broadway um, when she was about 20 years old, through to her career pivots later in life and in more recent years. And this is honestly probably one of my favourite celebrities to date this year.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's the thing about these Second Life interviews is that they look at the celebrity lives through a business and career lens. So they they often end up dropping a lot of tidbits that you wouldn't get in a normal celebrity profile.
0: Yes. I just remembered the one I listened to about um, Cindy Crawford. I know I'm going off topic, but that was a really good episode too. So I knew that she had co-founded Hello Bello, which is a a line of premium and affordable baby products which she founded with her husband Dax Shepherd, but I didn't realise she'd also had another one called snack bar company this saves lives and all with a really big kind of focus mission about changing the world and, and doing positive things for people out there.
1: Yeah they have a, a whole um, empire between them the Bell Shepherd family so they've got those two businesses and then her husband Dax famously runs his podcast um, I guess turning into an empire now the armchair expert podcast out of their house um, so they've really- become, they're not just a celebrity couple, but they're also a business, which is interesting and what she kind of really tapped into, how they treat the people who work in their businesses as not just celebrities, but people who I guess are the, in charge of people's lives.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it was um, interesting. They were talking about careers, women's careers specifically taking off later in life. They experience a lot of success in the early years, but say when they speak to, you know, women now, it's, it's not the case. They get that kind of burst into their thirties and how it can be, you know, quite a challenging time for women women who are trying to push forward with their careers but also thinking about being of childbearing age and highlighted an interesting policy that she and Dax or Dax has talked about implementing in his armchair expert empire. You know what I love is that like I think I had heard Netflix is now paying for women to freeze their eggs because you and I were able to have this like full charge jump in head first in our 20s. It doesn't happen that way for everybody. No. And not most people, I think. So if you're in your 30s or 40s, but you still want to have the option to have a family that is well within your right. But some of these companies now are allowing women to freeze their eggs so that they don't have to worry about like, I got to get it all done right now or that I, you have to do it at the same time. Like yeah. well, I have to jump in full speed, but I also have to have a baby because my eggs are dying.
1: And the interesting part of that is that she then went on to say that um, her husband Dax had had started to implement that same thing of, of, of offering to freeze a female employee's eggs with um, the co-founder of his podcast, who interestingly is also Kristen Bell's best friend Monica Padman, and how they were kind of doing that as a step forward. And I thought it was interesting how Kristen Bell then linked that back to her in this interview, to her early days of Veronica Mars and how she would work till three in the morning and then um, working seven days a week and just the grind of being on that show and then transfix into how it all just suddenly went away when the show was cancelled.
0: Yes. And I I love this interview so much. I'm getting so excited just talking about it. And obviously then revealing how she kind of got, because she famously voices the um, gossip girl The narrator, yes. The narrator, yes, that's it. Um, And she goes into telling that story about how that job came about.
1: Yeah, so she talks about the end of Veronica Mars, which is a show that had always been on the bubble, as she says in the interview, which means the show is always about to burst in terms of being cancelled. And I remember this as one of the most traumatic times in my life when Veronica Mars was cancelled and fans tried so hard to save it. People sent like thousands of Mars bars into the network. Fans paid for um, a, a plane to fly over the network saying, save Veronica Mars, like dragging a sign trying to get the show renewed and it wasn't. And so in this interview, Kristen Bell talks about the fact that the show ended and she was effectively unemployed and she'd just shot a movie which turned out to be Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which obviously wanted to be a huge commercial success, but at that time didn't even have a release date, so she didn't even know if it was going to be in cinemas. And she just found herself in this place for the first time in a long time where she was an unemployed actress and didn't know where her next paycheck was going to come from. And her management team weren't really helping her and, and because she kind of saw herself... As a business, first and foremost, more than an actress. She's like, Well, I'm going to do the right thing for my business and get a new job. So she just called the head of the network, which you're completely not allowed to do, as she explains in this, and said, I hear you're starting this show. It's called Gossip Girl. There's a narrator. I'm a voice actress. I'm I'm just going to take that job. And at the time, they were just like, yeah, well, you can have it. And then it turned into this huge part of her career.
0: Yeah, definitely. So from then on, she's gone to obviously voice really um, amazing characters and still something that she really enjoys doing today. Something that came across in the interview was just how smart she is and everything that she does and how she considers everything. Like When she was talking about Hello Bello, the fact that when they were calling for investors, they capped the amount of money that you could invest in the organisation. So but I think it's $8,000. Um, US to make sure that, you know, there wasn't a majority share, someone who had all of the power and that they kept that core value of being able to supply, you know, baby products to people who couldn't afford them. And then also kind of acknowledging the partnership that they had with Walmart rolling out that brand saying that, you know, a lot of people say things about Walmart being this like mass retailer, but they serve a purpose for people who can't afford, you know, basic things. And that's a really important kind of partnership for her to have with her businesses. She's just a badass and I love her.
1: Yeah. Well, people say she's about us now, and obviously as a, a marshmallow, I've always thought that. But when she took on the role of what I was thinking listening to this interview is when she took on that role of narrating a gossip girl, she actually copped a lot of flack for it because I don't know if you remember this, but when it first came out, Penn Badgley, who plays Dan, did an interview and it wasn't quite his fault. He he kind of got like almost tricked into doing this terrible headline for a tabloid magazine interview that he did, where they asked him what he doesn't like about the show. And the journalist pressed him a few times and eventually he said, I don't think we need a narrator, it feels like it doesn't fit story and slowing it down and then that just went everywhere around the fact like was Kristen Bell even needed like was that showing that like Penn Badgley dislikes Kristen Bell and all this kind of stuff so she kind of had to really defend herself around that which I think now we've kind of like stepped away from looking at her in that way but kind of going back to this early part of her career it was quite interesting to hear that so I'd say go and listen to the whole podcast just to hear the brilliance that is Kristen Bell.
0: The Duchess of Cambridge gave her first ever podcast interview on Happy Mum, Happy Baby. So she was on the show to promote a new survey called Five Big Questions for the Under Fives. Um, She spoke candidly with host Giovanna Fletcher about her childhood experiences as a mother and even labour. This was way more candid than I've ever seen any royal ever speak about something like birthing a child.
1: Oh, absolutely. She touched on so many things that we've never heard her talk about before, especially what it was like to be in the delivery room and the fear that she had knowing the public was outside, but also just the effects on her body um, to quite an extent that we haven't heard her talk like that before. Yeah. So she discussed some of the methods that she
0: used while she was pregnant and it's been widely reported that she um, experienced something called hypermesis gravidarum. I know I'm probably butchering that. So it's a severe form of morning sickness um, during all three of her pregnancies. So she discussed some of the methods she used while she was pregnant including hypnobirthing
1: there's love you know there's yeah. levels of it I'm not going to say that when were was standing there sort of chanting <laughs> sweet nothings at me he definitely wasn't I didn't ask him about it but this was something I wanted to do for myself I yeah. saw the power of it really sort of sort of the meditation and the deep breathing and things mm-hmm. like that that they teach you in hypnobirthing when I was really sick mm-hmm. and actually I realized that this was something that I could take control of I suppose during labor it was yeah hugely powerful
0: The host goes on to kind of share that she also did hypnobirthing and how it's often referred to something that's quite hippy-dippy. It was just interesting to hear them talking about it and to her be talking about labour and Prince William, you know, it's just I got visuals I never even thought I would get.
1: I mean, there are definitely parts of this interview where she does speak quite candidly, but you can still tell that she's still speaking with such a media-trained voice and such restraint. And you can almost hear her remembering, like, always bring it back to we're thankful, we're thankful for the people because she talks talks about being in the hospital with Prince George just after she's given birth and how she actually liked the birth even though it was terribly painful because it was an end to that horrible morning sickness she was feeling and then she talks about the fact that it was really hot and she couldn't sleep because there was a thunderstorm and then the next morning she had to get dressed and walk outside with William and and hold George in front of thousands of people both on the street and on camera and she talks about how terrifying that was but then she quickly changes her tune and goes back into that royal stance of but we know how excited everyone was. We were so thankful for the support and it's just an interesting, obviously this these interviews has come about not just because she works so much with these charities and stuff, like I believe that's a real thing, but don't you think this has also come about because at the moment she's the trump card for the royal family with everything that's happened with Harry and Meghan and Prince Andrew and um, even like Beatrice's wedding not being televised and trying to push them aside, that she's their best public face right now.
0: Oh definitely and I think they're really trying to appeal to that younger generation. They're always doing that work to develop you know their voice in different ways and I think podcasting is just the next kind of phase for them to be able to do it of course like you could hear that they've gone through the the questions you hear her stumble a little bit and she admits when she starts the interview that she's quite nervous because I would be too imagine doing weeks of preparation for this podcast and it's a podcast like you can't you, you and I know how when you're preparing for a podcast but when you go to record it things pop up and things change like for her the stakes are so much higher but yeah I definitely think that she she's having to really step up and And she's doing a good job, I think.
1: I just thought it was actually nice to hear her voice. Like, it reminded me how that I've actually, I feel like I know so much about her, what she says and what she thinks and her quotes and that sort of thing, but I never actually really heard her speak for this long period of time, her own thoughts and experiences, even talking to the fact that George and Charlotte had not wanted her to go and do the podcast that morning. They said, yeah. Mom, why aren't you taking us to school? Don't go. And then she's like, well, now I feel guilty for being here, even though this is helping mothers. So it was actually a lovely side to see of her. And even though it's been done for Palace PR, it was still nice.
0: Thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. You can get in contact with us by emailing us at thespill at mamamia.com.au. The Spill is produced by Hannah Bowman. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au.
1: Bye. Bye.